0: Please open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter number 7, Mark 7. We will be reading from verses 24 down to verse number 30. Mark 7, verse 24. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her. and the demon gone. Father, we ask your blessing upon the reading of your sacred word this morning. It is the word that gives us life. Take this passage this morning and illuminate our hearts. Show us the Lord Jesus Christ in a clear way in these verses so that we would be transformed into his glorious image. In his name we ask these things. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever been listening to someone talk and and they just sort of say something out of nowhere, just out of left field? And you just sort of stand there with your jaw on the floor thinking, I cannot believe he just said that. Now, some of you are probably thinking, yeah, I experience that every Sunday morning during church. (laughs) Cannot believe he just said that. Well, this morning we have come to a passage in the Gospel of Mark that evokes that same sense of shock. In fact, I remember reading through the New Testament as a teenager. And coming away from this episode thinking, I cannot believe that Jesus just called that poor woman a dog. And then I couldn't believe that after he called her a dog, that instead of walking away in shame, she pushed back on the Lord Jesus. as Almost as if to seem to, to put him right in his place, so to speak. It was to use a modern expression one of those mic drop moments between these two. But there is more going on here than what meets the eye, a lot more. And as we dig below the surface of this passage this morning, what we find is a gracious Savior who is eager to respond to anyone who reaches out to Him in desperate faith. And friends, this should be a great encouragement to us because like this desperate woman, this Gentile woman, we all need the Lord to touch our lives this morning in one way or another. Every one of us come here with burdens. We need His touch. We're desperate. And so what emerges from these verses in Mark 7 then is a picture of Jesus that will leave our jaws on the floor, but for a whole different reason. Because He can say and do the things that He does, because He is God. And so I want us to work through this passage together by way of three main thoughts, three main points, three main ideas that show us, number one, His humanity, number two, His mercy, and number three, His divinity, His deity. And the first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus retreats in His humanity. He retreats in His humanity. Look at verse number 24 in your Bibles. And from there He arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. yet he could not be hidden. Now if you remember the past couple of weeks, if you've been here and most of you have, Jesus has been locked in a <laughs> he's been locked in a knockdown dragout fight with the scribes and the Pharisees, who are self-righteous. He's been arguing with them over the true nature of sin and holiness. You see, they cared more for external adherence to regulations and ritual than they did for the inner holiness of the heart. Jesus rebuked them for it. And then He pleaded with the crowd and His disciples to understand that the real problem is not unclean hands, it's not unclean pots, it's not unclean cups, The real problem is unclean hearts. And now in verse 24, after this 15 round bout with the Pharisees, he is spent. Jesus is exhausted. How many of you know that conflict takes a lot out of you. Anybody ever been in an argument? Have you ever had one of those intense arguments with your spouse? I can't think of anyone who makes you any more angry than your spouse. You had one of those fights with your spouse, and and it just left you exhausted. My wife and I, we used to be notorious fighters, (laughs) Let's be honest, we're both self-seeking sinners at heart and we'd have these huge fights and then it felt like we could sleep for days. Notice I said we used to have these fights, but thank God for progressive sanctification. I mean, we haven't had one of those fights for at least a couple of days. You see, that's one of those, I can't believe he just said that moments, right? conflict is exhausting it's exhausting mentally emotionally spiritually physically and what we see here in this text is not jesus just just trying to you know we we have to we have to see the lord jesus christ as one of us here in this passage he's not just running off no his humanity is on full display as he retreats to rest and to recover with this bout, this fight, this conflict he just had with the religious leaders. And notice, friends, that he goes to a place that they would have never gone. <laughs> to an unclean Gentile territory that Mark calls the region of Tyre and Sidon. Two cities in the Roman province of this area called Syra, Phoenicia on the Mediterranean coast north of israel these are beach cities these are about 35 miles or so 35 miles plus from where jesus was in galilee he had to get away from this fight from the conflict and the gospels frequently speak of him trying to steal away to 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 retreat into solitude from the conflict, the crowds, the commotion. We've seen it already in Mark before in this study. And sometimes I wonder, friends, if Jesus had some, some introverted tendencies in his personality. I don't want to get too psychological on you this morning. But he was a man just like us. I wonder if he was perhaps a little bit introverted. I think he probably was. Because he's always wanting to get away from the noise, from the crowds, from the conflict, from the fights. And spend time by himself with his father. And friends, that gives the rest of us introverts this morning It gives us hope. This is Jesus being human. And one of the cardinal doctrines of the Christian faith is that Jesus is both fully God and fully human. For Jesus to atone for the sins of man, he had to be man. But he also had to be God because only God could satisfy the infinite righteousness of God. The church has historically called this the hypostatic union. Don't turn me off this morning. You need this. The church has called this throughout history, the hypostatic union. Belie- friends, believers were punched in the face because of this very doctrine. And if you, wanted, if you want to find out what I'm talking about, look up St. Nicholas. I'm not talking about Santa Claus. I'm talking about St. Nicholas. There were people who had knocked down, drag out real fights over the nature of the Lord Jesus in the church, the hypostatic union, the union of two natures, both divine and human, in one person. Friends, this is theology that we need to know because any variance in this doctrine is not Christianity. This is the reason why the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, are not Christian. Because they do not affirm the hypostatic union. God, fully God and fully man in one person. One eternal person, the Lord Jesus Christ. But He was like us in every way. Hebrews 2.17 says that Jesus was made like us in every respect. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to be exhausted. He knows what it's like to be hurt, to be rejected, to be tempted like we are. He knows what it's like to grieve, to feel the hurt of loss. He has experienced the full breadth of humanness. Everything that we are, He took upon Himself. So friends... Run to Christ this morning in your weakness. You have a Savior who has identified with you every step of the way. He knows how you feel. He knows what it feels like to feel how you feel. Run to Him and find a Savior who knows how to grant rest to your exhausted Soul. Is anybody tired this morning? He knows. He can grant you rest. Secondly, we see in this passage that Jesus demonstrates his sovereign prerogative of mercy. His sovereign prerogative of mercy. Look at verse 24. Mark says, that Jesus entered a house and he did not want anyone to know. He was trying to hide. (laughs) Yet he could not be hidden. Man, that's a sermon right there in that one phrase. Yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, And she begged him, she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. As much as Jesus wanted to get away and to hide in this house, he couldn't. One Irish Presbyterian pastor, I love this, he calls him the unconcealable Christ. He cannot be concealed. He cannot be hidden. Nevertheless, in his humanness, he often wanted to be concealed. He wanted to be hidden, but he was rarely able, right? We've seen this before. And here in this Gentile region, far away from his home, a woman finds him who would not be denied. Now, friends, this woman had the deck stacked against her. Number one, she was a woman. Number two, she was a Gentile. Mark says a Syrophoenician by birth. And when you read Matthew's corresponding account, his synoptic account, Matthew says that she was a Canaanite no doubt highlighting, friends, her dark heritage as a descendant of Israel's ancient enemies. So she was a woman. Number two, she was a Gentile Canaanite. Number three, she had a daughter with an unclean spirit. She had no business being anywhere near a Jewish rabbi. And no no self-respecting Jewish rabbi would be anywhere near her But yet here she is in this house with the Lord Jesus, who always seemed to find himself around sinners and unclean people, no matter where he went. She was defiled by the Pharisee standards. But remember, Jesus had just spanked them and sent them limping off because defilement does not come from what's outside he said, it comes from what's right in here. He wasn't worried about this woman defiling him. Verse 25 tells us that this Gentile woman had a very great need. Her daughter was oppressed by Satan. The original word for little daughter here in the ESV is translated, it's a term of endearment. It's as if. She runs to Jesus and said, Lord, my sweet little girl is in the grip of evil, but I know that you can heal her. And in Matthew's account, this mother, this Gentile mother, invokes the Messianic title, Son of David, which as a Gentile, she had no business doing And Matthew indicates that Jesus actually ignored her. He, he completely ignored her initially. And his disciples said, Lord, will you not send her away? She's aggravating us to death. And this is where things start to get a little unusual and a little uncomfortable for, for us who perhaps have crafted a, a, our own idea of a Jesus who never offended anybody. Look at verse 27. Jesus said to her, Let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wait, what? What? Did he just call this woman a dog? Yes, he did. This is our Savior. You see, the Jews did not like dogs at all. I know that may be offensive in and of itself to many of us here this morning. They didn't like dogs. Sometimes the Jews even referred to Gentiles as Dogs. But the term that Jesus uses here, you can't see it in English necessarily. But in the original language, it means little dog, which refers not to the wild scavengers that run the streets, but to the domesticated household dog, the kind that we have turned into living people in our century, in our time. He refers to these little dogs, these household pets. But friends, it would have been offensive to Gentiles either way. But why does he say that it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? Matthew offers some clarity in his synoptic account in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24. Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, still, this is problematic for us today because we thought that Jesus was sent to save everybody. But here he is telling this Gentile woman, I only came for Israel. What's he doing? He's talking about the priority of his mission to the chosen people of God, the Jews. This is consistent with the covenant promise of Yahweh to Abraham in Genesis 12, that through him and through his descendants, that is Israel, all nations of the earth would be blessed. All families of the earth would be blessed. And we see this Jew-first priority continue all into the New Testament. In his encounter with the Samaritan, who the Samaritans were half-Jews, in his encounter with the, the woman at the well who was a Samaritan, Jesus says in John 4, that, quote, Salvation is from the Jews. In Romans 16, the apostle Paul, who was, by the way, the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul says that salvation is to the, what, Jew first. Friends, this is how God has sovereignly determined to bring salvation to our one human race. Who are we to start screaming about inequality or discrimination? Salvation would come to the Gentiles, but not until it came to the Jews first, you see. So Jesus essentially saying to this woman who was in great need, Woman, go away. The children need to eat first. Your time has not yet come. It's not time for you to eat yet. But friends, it doesn't really resolve the problem, does it? Couldn't he have said it a little bit nicer? Believe it or not, there are liberal theologians who lay the charge of sin at the feet of the Son of God right here in this text. They say that he sinned against her by talking to her the way he did. (laughs) But remember I told you in my introduction that there was a lot more going on here than meets the eye. Jesus is not being racist. He's not discriminating against this Gentile woman. Here's what he's doing. He's being intentionally provocative to see just how desperate she really is. He's probing, and he gets his answer. When this Gentile mother shows the kind of remarkable insight and humility that the self-righteous scribes and Pharisees that he just came away from could scarcely imagine. Friends, there is nothing more powerful than a desperate mother. And Jesus provokes her faith. Look at verse 28. She answered him, Yes, Lord. Folks, those are the two best words that any of us could ever say to Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Even Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. <laughs> she gives it right back to him. You call me a dog? That's fine. Yet, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crops. She concedes that the priority of the divine plan and God's mysterious and wise sovereignty is to the Jew first. But she also knows by the sovereign grace of the Holy Spirit that she is kneeling at the feet. Remember, she's on her knees right here, she's all prostrate before him, begging. She knows that she is kneeling at the feet of a Savior in whom there is enough grace for all those who reach out to Him in desperate faith, even those Gentile dogs. Friends, if we could get a vision of Jesus like that today, our prayers would be revolutionized. And this is where the Lord Jesus Christ, we see Him demonstrate His sovereign prerogative of mercy, He is God. He can do anything He wants. If He were any other rabbi, He would have never uttered a word to this woman. But He's not just any other rabbi, is He? He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man who has come to seek and to save the lost. His mission was to the Jews, friends, but His mercy is to all. Romans 9.15. Some people see this verse as offensive, but I see it as a blessing. This is glory for me. Paul says in Romans 9.15, the Lord, he's speaking, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. See, friends, it doesn't matter who you are. But where you're from, What you look like or what your socioeconomic status is this morning. No one who comes to Jesus in genuine faith will ever be turned away. This is the certainty of sovereign grace. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. (laughs) And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus said in John 6.37, This divine prerogative of sovereign mercy is what this Syrophoenician Gentile defiled Canaanite mother with an unclean spirit residing in her daughter. She experienced that on this day. Finally, we see in this passage... Jesus answers desperation with deity. He answers desperation with deity. Look at verses 29 and 30. He said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. So an episode in Mark's gospel that began with a display of the humanity of Jesus now ends with a display of his deity. He recognizes the desperate faith of this mother for her little girl, probably under the age of 12. And being impressed... Not in a worldly way. Being impressed by her show of faith, He simply grants her request. Matthew, in Matthew 15, it's amazing. He adds in his account of the episode, he says, And her daughter was healed instantly. Jesus doesn't even have to say a word. (laughs) Something just happens in the spirit realm his divine power, which extends through every cosmic square inch of all creation, reaches into the heart of that little girl and frees her from the grip of Satan. This Gentile woman, friends, had the same kind of desperate faith that the woman with the issue of blood had in Mark chapter 5. Remember her? She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, he doesn't have to look at me, he doesn't have to turn to me, he doesn't have to touch me. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And when she touched him, Jesus turned around and said, wait, I have felt virtue leave me. It has gone out of me. Who touched me? Friends, that's what happened here. In this unclean Gentile city, the divine virtue of Jesus flooded the bedroom of that Gentile woman's daughter and she woke from that dungeon of satanic darkness that she was in to the glorious light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happened. This was God in the flesh acting like God in the flesh the flesh, having mercy on whom he will, saving whom he will, his power not bound by space and time, his person and work, not bound by ethnic distinctions and friends, all Gentile Christians hearing and reading the gospel of Mark would have been uniquely comforted by this encounter. Remember, we think Mark was probably written to the Roman church. The church at Rome. They would have been uniquely comforted by this episode in the ministry of Jesus to a gentile and unclean woman. And friends, so should we. Because you see, we are the Syrophoenician woman this morning. We have no right to appear before a holy God and ask anything of Him. In our natural fallen sinfulness, we offend Him. But will we, like this Gentile mother, unwilling to be denied, fall down at His feet and say, Yes, Lord, I don't deserve anything, but would you just gift me the crumbs from your table? Oh, friends, believe me this morning, the crumbs from his table are more than enough, but he has offered us much more than that. He offers us himself in his broken body and blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins as we have celebrated this morning around this holy table. There is enough mercy in Christ for all of us. Whatever you've done, there's mercy. Wherever you've gone, there's grace. You think you're too far gone? Forget it, friends. You're not. Somebody in your family too far gone? They're not. Jesus died for sinners. This is true. He paid our great sin debt because we could not pay it. He was raised so that all who would believe on him would be justified by faith and stand before his Father draped in a righteousness that does not belong to them. It is a posture of grace, undeserved. Friends, do you know him today? Are you watching online? Do you know him today? Would you believe on him today, young people? Are you desperate for him today? You should be. Maybe there's some here like this Gentile mother. Maybe there's some mothers or some fathers here today. There's someone that you love who is caught in the grip of Satan. Will you fall down at his feet this morning? and beg the lord jesus christ for their deliverance friend no one is beyond the mercy and the reach of the sovereign grace of jesus this morning i want to close with a quote by the 17th century they're all dead you know that right everybody i quote dead 17th century Scottish Presbyterian, Samuel Rutherford. My goodness. It was one of the Westminster divines. He says this. There is as much in our Lord's pantry as will satisfy all His children and as much wine in his cellar as will quench all their thirst. Hunger on, for there is meat and hunger in Christ. Go never from him, but trouble him who is yet pleased with the persistence of hungry souls until he feeds you. Friends, will you reach out just for the crumbs from his table this morning? He's in this house. He cannot be hidden. In this moment, away from the conflict of everything that's going on out there, everything in your life that you left behind an hour and 15 minutes ago, away from the distraction, he's ready to see just how desperate you are. Prince come running to the feet of Jesus this morning, just looking for the crumbs from his table, and he'll give you so much more. Let's pray.